Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leveraged Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day and doing Profit First right. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three Ps, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced Profit First strategies and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. All right, today we have a very special guest. We have Miss Denise Grove. Denise is a fellow Profit First professional and the founder and CEO of CFO Support Incorporated and Grove Solutions LLC. They provide business philanthropic and personal solutions to organizations requiring expertise beyond their internal financial knowledge and resources. Denise has the heart of a teacher and is incredibly passionate about using her knowledge and hands-on experience to help her clients reach their goals. And um, we share a lot of things in common in addition to being profit-first professionals. Denise is also a Dave Ramsey personal financial master coach. And welcome to the podcast, Denise. Well, thank you so much for having me today, Danielle. I'm delighted to be able to share tips on the podcast today. So today we are going to talk about how to avoid embezzlement and fraud schemes kind of happening to your business under your nose without you knowing. So Denise is going to share some low-tech, easy-to-implement opportunities for you to be able to minimize the risk as a business owner to, you know, catch as soon as possible if someone is embezzling or stealing from you. So thank you so much. I know you are so passionate about this subject because you've had, unfortunately, or fortunately for your clients, a lot of experience helping them fix these vulnerabilities that are sadly all too uncommon in small businesses. I mean, the statistics are staggering. I mean, a good 30 plus percent of small businesses at some time or another are subject to embezzlement or fraud. And it often happens from within inside the organization by a trusted employee. So Denise, I know you have a few stories to share. Why don't you start us off with one? Well, Danielle, I'd be happy to do so because one of my personal missions is to let business owners, particularly ones without an accounting and finance background, just know simple tips, you know, to help them be better at owning and managing their money 
as well as ways when they do delegate some of the tasks. And in order to work on our businesses, we do have to be able to delegate different areas to others. But at the same time, keep a finger on the pulse of what's going on with your money. One of my my low-tech tip, which I'll share is when we get through with a couple of stories, uh, is just a great way to let the people working with your money, be it the other receptionists taking deposits, uh, the person reconciling your bank account, the person helping you pay your bills, know that you, as the owner of the business, are watching what's going on and the money coming in and the money coming out. And of course, profit first techniques are a great way also to stay on top of what's going on with the trends in your money. I have a client who's also a close friend that actually had this experience happen to them. Uh, Their receptionist, you know, came on board, started helping him, making sure that his appointments were being made, making reminder phone calls the day before to his customers, reminding them of their upcoming appointments. Hearing him, you know, behind the the desk, you know, talking about how he disliked working on making bank deposits. And, oh, it seemed like he was constantly having to pay bills. And he had QuickBooks, but he really wasn't that comfortable using it. Uh, Long story made short, what happened is she said, well, you know, I'm happy to make the bank deposits for you. And and if you think about a, a business that takes a lot of checks in particular, you know, she was taking the, the check deposits over to the bank. Uh, then she said, well, I can help you with the bill payments. You know, let me just write out the checks, you know, and or give me your credit card and let me pay those bills online for you and take that off your plate. Um, just like all of us busy, busy people and business owners, the idea of delegating the money and the bill payments to someone else is just a, a great way to save our time as well as A lot of my clients just don't like the accounting part of the business, even though it's a necessary evil. And slowly but surely, she started taking over these roles and eventually started taking over doing the QuickBooks for my uh, client also. Uh, Long story made short, and this is the terrifying part to me, is he realized that she had been taking money for over the course of 18 months because, of course, most uh, techniques, the perpetrator starts with a small amount of money and sees if you notice. And if you don't notice, then it gives them more courage and they continue to increase the amount of money that they are taking and putting over in their accounts instead of you as the business owner's account. This client found out that this was happening because he got a FedEx package to his home from the mortgage company notifying him that they were about to foreclose on his home. Wow. And I'm going to just let that sink in a second. Wow. Because, of course, in, in the course of this year and a half, she'd also started offering to pay his personal bills. And all of us that are are working in our own companies know how closely tied our business finances can be to our personal finances, too. So, obviously, he thought she was taking money into his personal account monthly in order to pay his monthly bills at home. 
the tip off that he had not was that mortgage company paperwork, which means that they had been contacting him for six months at least before they actually said, okay, we're filing for foreclosure. She had been, of course, checking the mailbox for him. And that was one of the other ways she was able to keep all of this out of his sight. And so he never even knew that the mortgage was past due until it had gotten that far along in the foreclosure process. And he was not my client. I do want to point out when this was happening. Um, And now you know how he became my client, because one of the things that he did turn to me to was how could he have prevented this, particularly in a small business. And we do want our financial information to be kept in a very small number of people's knowledge. We don't want every employee to be aware. Uh, So it was a terrible, terrible situation. Uh, He did call her, you know, and got her answering machine at home to ask her about what was going on. And of course, by the time he followed up with her and didn't hear back from her, she, of course, had packed her car and had left the state. Wow. So did they ever, was there any sort of ever restitution? Did the police get involved or did he just have to kind of rebuild and, and fix it? The bank did get involved now because one of the things about embezzlement, particularly because part of what she had done was opened a fictitious bank account Mm. in the business's name. And so she was actually depositing some of the uh, money into the true checking account and then a portion of it over into this fictitious account. So the good news was, was the bank did get involved but um, it, it didn't ever completely make him financially whole. And as a result, not only did he lose his rental property because that bill had not been paid to that mortgage company, he managed with help of family to save his home uh, from being foreclosed. And of course, he ended up filing personal as well as business bankruptcy. Oh my gosh, wow. Very stressful. You just can't imagine the stress. And, you know, I mean, this is a perfect example of someone taking advantage of your weakness. If you are a business owner, you have to own the financials of your business. You have to own the financials of your business. You can delegate some, but you cannot abdicate. When you abdicate, you no longer own. So you must own the financials of your business. And Denise, you have five low-tech, easy to implement tips and suggestions that really is like a checklist. So when you guys get this episode, download the resource and use this as a checklist and make sure that you're doing this in your business So let's start with tip number one, Denise. Well, and Danielle, I have got to reemphasize your point. We have to delegate, but not abdicate. We have to still have ownership. And that's the reason why I came up with these low tech, easy to implement steps that every business owner can take, which had my client been doing this, it would have reduced the probability that something was going wrong and he didn't quickly catch it. 
So my first tip is all bank statements, all bank accounts, savings accounts, checking accounts, um, credit card statements, the loan statements, all should be sent to the owner's personal mailing address. That's time consuming to get with the bank and get that all set up, but as the owner and the person in control of the business, your banker should accommodate sending your statements over to your house uh, once a month. And, you know, don't like, you know, they're trying to get away from paper statements and trying to get you to e-statements. Of course, you always have access to your e-statements, but paper statements are so important because it's a trigger. It's a trigger for you when it shows up in the mail every month, you need to open up those statements, right, Denise? It's not just, okay, they're sending them to my home. You've got to get them to your home and you need to open them up. And I just want to say, it is really not that hard. We moved and had to file a change of address form. It's one simple page. Your bank, basically, you send them an email, they fill it out, you just check and make sure that they did it correctly. Here was the old address, here's the new address, and you sign it and you send it back to them. So it really isn't that hard. Just send them an email and they'll do the paperwork and then you'll sign it. I mean, this is so critical, but it's only useful if you open those statements when they come to your house, right? Exactly. And that is actually step number two, open them. And not only open them, look at the dollar amounts. Um, and I and I completely understand that um, math and money are not natural for a lot of people. However, you need to look at it and say, that's kind of interesting because, you know, my, my client had a good feel for how much money was collected weekly. If he had only looked at the bank statement for his income account and noticed that the deposits seemed a little low, that's all he had to notice. And even if he was completely wrong mathematically, that was his gut feel. Had he done that and then gone in the next Monday, let's say, even if he breaks like an hour a Saturday morning to look at all these statements that came in during the week, went in and said, you know, it's kind of interesting. I could have sworn that we got a big check from XYZ last week, but this deposit amount is too low to have included that check. Now, that makes the bookkeeper, the receptionist, whomever's helping with that role, not only have to pull the records and say, oh, no, here it is, and explain it back to the owner what's going on, and bluntly, if they do not immediately get on top of it and get back to you, that would make me even more suspicious I had a problem. That tells that individual that you're looking, and that is really the key to this low-tech uh, process is the fact that people know you're watching. Exactly. And also too, make sure that you're looking at the check images. If you have any check images, make sure you're really scrutinizing, you know, the statements to see who's getting paid either by electronic bill payment or ACH. You know, we had a guest on episode, I believe, 54, share with us that a, the business partner in the business was making a grand gesture of writing out the checks in the checkbook in front of the other two business partners and, um, you know, saying, oh, it's to this, it's to Xerox and da, da, da. 
But then what they were doing is after that meeting, destroying those checks, going to the back of the checkbook, rewriting the checks for the same amount, but writing them to her personally. Now, if they were looking at the bank statements, again, you want to check and balance. Um, Even if it's a business partner, if one person's responsible for overseeing the accounting, the other partner should be looking still at the bank statements. Again, you want that check and balance, even with a business partner, and you want to be scrutinizing and looking at those check images on the statement. You got to go a little bit deeper. It's not just, you know, getting them to your house and then letting them pile up. You've got to make an effort and you've got to do your due diligence. What's the next step, Denise? Well, my other tip is, as you're looking at, let's let's just pick on your credit card statement to move away from the bank account. Uh, on the credit card bills for the business, uh, especially if multiple people have the card or have your card number uh, to pay bills, you need to not only make sure you know who those vendors are, like, like a great example is I have charges of uh, subscriptions that might be for a particular service, say my website hosting, but it comes through on my credit card is some weird name, you know, like dog eat dog or something like that. Well, make sure you know how the vendor comes through by name. But the other tip here is don't just ask about the big dollar amounts. You know, don't ask what was this $5,000 charge for Be sure to ask for little ones too, again, because what you're trying to make your helpers realize is that you are looking, you're looking at not only the big dollars, but the small. So always ask, pick the $9.99 charge and say, remind me again, what's that subscription for and are we really using it? Because as you know, in Profit First Techniques, One of the ways that you can increase the amount transferred to your profit or owner's pay is by cutting operating expenses. So even if you're spending $9.99 on a subscription that your team is no longer using, there's there's another $9.99 that'll add into the allocations. Yeah, that's about $120 a year or more. I'm sorry, my math is wrong. (laughs) $144 a year. Um, Okay, and then what's the next tip? Well, and of course, I don't want you to forget, as a business owner, look at your loan statements, especially uh, recently with all of the different uh, new funding uh, with the pandemic with the SBA. uh, Be sure that loan statements are being sent to your home and or if they are not, make sure you have a login and a password. And on the, the Saturday, when you check your bank statements and your credit cards, just log in and make sure that those loan payments are really being made. Uh, so that that is another really low-tech way uh, that you can do. And if you think about it, it's almost like ATM bank accounting. I mean, you can go to the ATM and pull your statement and see what your uh, balance is in your checking account when you withdraw some spending cash. If you just have the mindset that today is my day, that I'm gonna spend two hours just double checking all my, my statements, my bank loans, my credit cards. Uh, it'll give you peace of mind. And one of the other things that you had mentioned was that with all of this uh, encouragement that we take e-statements instead of paper statements, a lot of my banks are charging 
you know, $4 for a paper statement. Oh. You know, that is a $4 well spent for the peace of mind that you get, that you are actually looking at what's going on with your accounts. Yes. But you could also find a bank that is not charging for paper statements too. So, but you're right. If, if, if push comes to shove, yes. I mean, and you have five profit first accounts, 20 bucks a month is well worth protecting you. It's like, it's the cheapest insurance you could have um, on protecting the financials of your business. And then what's the next step, Denise? Well, I think that the next step is just to get it on your calendar, you know, have a recurring appointment with yourself. Uh, one of my other clients, um, you know, she has what she calls Money Monday. And I love that uh, because what the first thing she does on every Monday morning is not only looks at her business accounts and takes these uh, steps that I was mentioning and picks which transactions she's going to ask the the bookkeeper, the receptionist, or whomever, or her business partner about what a charge was to refresh your memory on. Um, you know, she sits down and does her profit first allocations and and just starts her whole week off. You know, knowing that she has reviewed her money, weekly reviews of your money is. I think a fabulous habit to have. Um, and then that way you can go about the rest of your week knowing that you've taken care of that. There's um, a saying that I picked up from Dave Ramsey about eating the frog. Mm -hmm. That's Brian Tracy, yeah. Yeah, and so um, I think eating the frog first thing one morning, having to do with your money, particularly if you hate dealing with your money, uh, is just a great way to start start your day and get it out of the way. It's like your vitamin. It's protecting you. It's it's making you healthier by going through these habits because these are definitely healthy fiscal habits for business owners. And you know, you mentioned something else that is another great tip and that is that you should own your allocation day calculations. All right? You need to know what the income balance is. And then you just need to plug that into one of our handy dandy allocation day calculators. We have basic and advanced versions of those calculators on our website under resources, but you plug in those numbers. You see how the numbers are lining up because again, like Denise mentioned in her story, you know, I mean, you should have a good pulse on what your income should be on each allocation day. And um, that is just a check. It will take you a couple of minutes. I'm not saying that you have, I don't, I don't make the, the transfers at the bank, but I definitely take that income number and I plop it into the calculator and boom, I have my calculations. And then I um, send that page over to our accounting department and our accounting department actually then facilitates the, um, the actual transfers at the bank but I am involved. I know exactly what's going on and it takes two minutes. I do it on Wednesdays and it is makes my Wednesdays my favorite day of the week. Um, what's another tip, Denise? Well, the other one other uh, last little tip is what a lot of people do, especially with not only their profit first transfers, but, you know, checking in on their money. You know, a lot of times they plan it also on the day when they run payroll. As most businesses, you know, if you have a, a physical location, the rent and then, of course, your payroll um, is the two big 
spending items that you consistently have across most businesses. And so using your payroll day is your day to work on your money. But I, I encourage everyone listening to this podcast to get their checking account statement, uh, their operating account statement, and take a look and, and ask the person that actually is doing the transaction, making the deposit, uh, checking to making sure that all of the credit card deposits are coming into your income account. Uh, look and, and make sure you know what the spending is. And the last thing is your payroll processor creates a report every pay run by employee that tells you who is being paid and how much. I would include that on one of my, on my at least monthly, just taking a look and making sure that you know who's on your payroll. Uh, because, of course, another famous fraud technique is having fictitious employees. Yes. So, you know, that is kind of my last little step. And I know a lot of people think that they're not going to be able to understand these reports. And one of the things, Danielle, I do offer um, as my coaching services, I'm a safe zone. There is no dumb question, no dumb question. And if I, I try to explain these complicated things like taxes or payrolls, um, banking, loans, how does a loan payment work? What's the interest? What's the principal in plain English? Um, and so I hope that um, any listeners uh, don't let their feelings that they do not lack knowledge stop them from owning their finances. Yeah. And I just want to throw in a couple of extra things on that. So on the payroll report, you know, I completely agree on that. Definitely need to be reviewing your payroll reports and you just need to make it a habit, whether you do it on Monday, Mondays or when you do it on Wednesdays um, or whenever you process payroll. So actually in our businesses, I actually input the payroll. Um, I'm the one that inputs it and submits it. I have that authorization for each of our companies. Again, it doesn't take me that much time. Someone prepares the spreadsheet for me where I see what everyone's hours are, PTO, time off, overtime, et cetera, and commissions, and I input it. And again, it only takes me a matter of minutes to do it. But then it, again, just prevents, it's that check and balance. It's, you know, all of us are smarter than one of us by having multiple hands touch things. In this case, it actually works out better. And then another tip um, that was on your list, Denise, but I'm going to wrap up with this is lock down your credit. This is my bonus tip based on someone taking out an SBA loan on one of our businesses for $150,000 last summer. It was that loan released from us because it, we didn't take it out. And so, you know, immediately when, when we found out about it, again, like a statement came to the office and said, oh, your loan payments will start a year from now. And our accounting department thought that we had taken out a loan. I was like, what? No, you know, I mean, they had actually like, 
booked it in the system to start paying it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, no, because I signed off of the checks and because I review the the, the bills and and what's going on and, and what's getting booked, I was able to to catch it and such. But lock down your credit. We lock down our credit immediately. And it's relatively simple to do. There's lots of companies out there, LifeLock, uh, Experian, that you can do that. And I mean, let me tell you, well worth all of the time that um, my husband had to spend on the phone with emails continually following up. I mean, it was getting to the point where, oh my gosh, like we're not going getting anywhere with, with the resolution on this. So lock down your credit um, is super, super important as well. So thank you so much for joining us, Denise. Where can um, our listeners connect with you? I know you've started to put out some videos and such. Well, the website is cfo-support.com, which, by the way, you can sign up for my periodic tip newsletters uh, there on the webpage. Uh, And I'm on social media, uh, Denise W. Grove. Uh, I have a new YouTube channel that I'm working to build up, too. So I hope that um, I can be of service. Thank you so much, Denise. And of course, you are more than welcome to reach out to Denise or one of our other fellow Profit First professional accountants, bookkeepers, and coaches who have the heart of a teacher. And you can connect with one by going to ProfitFirstNation.com and click on contact. Additionally, we will have this list of great, low-tech, easy to implement tips that you should be checking off and working through this list and get them implemented right away. Again, on our website at ProfitFirstNation.com forward slash resources. And you can also opt in there to have them emailed and texted to you on a weekly basis. So you stay in the loop. Thank you so much for joining us, Denise. And cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friends. Profit First Nation website, related podcasts, and resources are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, accounting, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. 